All right. All right, everyone, take your seats. In this episode, we're talking about motivation gaps. So take your seats, please. Thanks. Hello, and welcome back to the Change Academy podcast, a show where we explore what it takes to create a healthy mindset and to build sustainable and helpful habits. I'm Monica Reinagel. And I'm Brock Armstrong. Motivation gaps are those times when you feel as if you're not motivated enough to do what it takes to get a particular result. And it turns out, unsurprisingly, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while, that there are a wide variety of reasons these motivation gaps exist and inhibit your ability to reach your goals. And those various reasons are what we are going to dig into in this episode. But first, but first, I think we have a listener mail. Yeah, we got a great email from one of our former clients, actually, who wanted to share an experience that she felt really tied in with our episode on permission giving thoughts. Right. And that's yeah. going back a few months. But she wrote, although I have kept myself in a healthy weight range since my time in the Way Less program, and if memory serves, that was two, three years ago that she did the program with us. Nice. So she's kept herself in a healthy weight range, but she says, I do sometimes lose and gain the same few pounds. Mm -hmm. And I've been blaming it on my age and medications I have to take and so on. And then I had to undergo a colonoscopy prep, which for you listeners who may be uninitiated into this, colonoscopy prep involves not eating anything but clear fluids for a day prior to the procedure. Mm-hmm. So she says, I followed it easily and perfectly for the procedure. And afterward, I wondered why it was so much easier to follow the prep compared to my usual wrestling over those same little pounds. Hmm. So I started a journal and I discovered way more permission giving thoughts than I would have expected. And if I give myself too many permissions, it adds up. It sure does. Right. And you know, I noticed something very similar from my many, many, many colonoscopy preps. Oh dear. Long story, we won't get into it, but I'll just give my little public service announcement. Do not put off your screening colonoscopy. It's a minor inconvenience that could literally save your life. But anyway. Quite literally. Yes. So I have done many, many colonoscopy preps and I've noticed the same thing that that Bridget mentions. Under normal circumstances, thoughts or urges about food or maybe noticing a sensation of hunger triggers a whole lot of mental activity for me. I have to you know, figure out how or whether I want to respond to those thoughts or those sensations. Sometimes I really have to wrestle with an urge that I know isn't aligned with my goals. But when those very same thoughts and urges or sensations arise on colonoscopy day, or really colonoscopy prep day, Hmm. I just disregard them because I know that I will not be eating that day. And it is just amazing how not a big deal this is. And what that shows me is how much unnecessary power I sometimes give to my thoughts. Oh, I want to say that last sentence again. It shows you how much unnecessary power you're giving those thoughts. Right. And that is such a powerful thing to realize because we do give our thoughts as much power as we think they deserve. And sometimes we blow it completely out of proportion. Yeah. You know, I actually, in the same kind of vein, although the colonoscopy thing is is only one day, I'm actually in the middle of a three-month 
dry January, February, March. <laughs> I'm, I'm taking a medication right now that um, notoriously kicks the, the heck out of your kidneys and liver. So it's best to avoid alcohol when you're taking it, at least at the beginning, just to make sure I'm doing weekly blood tests and all of this stuff too, wow. to make sure that everything is okay. So it's just smart to avoid alcohol. And in the past, I know I've talked about this on the podcast before, I've done Sober October, I've done Dry January. And although I have been completely successful doing Dry January and Sober October and stuff, there are a lot of exactly what Bridget was pointing to, those permission-giving thoughts that pop up all the time and, like you, sometimes giving them way too much power. But it's been amazing. I'm already almost a month and a half into this dry spell and I haven't had any of those thoughts. It's been absolutely smooth sailing and I think it is exactly that same sort of thing. When we have a reason outside of ourselves in some ways, but have a really, really compelling reason to to do something, it's so much easier to just sort of dismiss those thoughts and not give them the power that we often would in the past. So it's, uh, it's really interesting. I can watch hockey without beer. I can go out for dinner with old friends without right. wine. I can work long and hard days without a cocktail at the end. It's amazing. Yeah. And, you know, the good news is, for you listening, you don't have to have a medical procedure or no. new medication to realize this same, to have the same aha moment. Uh, but maybe go back and check out that episode on permission giving thoughts one more time, if it's been a while since you've heard it, just to help yourself recognize those permission giving thoughts when they come up. And also, I mean, this falls firmly into that idea that we talk about a lot, which is collecting the evidence. Yeah that you are able to do something. So Monica is able to just have clear liquids for 24 hours without having any mental gymnastics. I'm able to have gone a month and a half and be much more by the end of it without any alcohol, without any mental gymnastics as well. And that is collecting really powerful evidence to present to future Brock and future Monica when those mm -hmm. powerful, well, those thoughts that we've given power to pop up again. Yeah. And it's not just collecting evidence that we can do it under duress. Mm -hmm. It's collecting evidence that it's just not that big It's not a, a big deal. deal. Right. Yeah. Okay. But let's jump now into our main topic today, which are these motivation gaps. Julie Dirksen teaches learning design. This is how to design any learning environment in a way that facilitates learning. And it can be employed in lots of different environments, whether you're teaching academic classes or conducting workplace trainings or, you know, teaching driver's ed or or designing an online program such as the Wayless program that we offer. And right. now you know why I was reading a book on learning design. <laughs> and I thought it was just because you were a keener nerd. <laughs> yeah, that too. But the book is called Design for How People Learn. And in that book, Dirksen talks about various things that cause people to fail when they're trying to learn something new. And one big one is something that she calls a motivation gap, where, as you said at the top of the show, people just aren't motivated enough to do what it takes to get the result. Right. And she talks about a few specific things that can cause these motivation gaps. And Many of them, I think, tie in with things that we've discussed in previous episodes. So the first one she mentions is a lack of commitment mm. to the result. So deep down, you're just not that invested in that particular destination or outcome. Maybe you're doing it to please someone else or because someone else is making you do it, right. you know, like a workplace training. 
or because you think you should. And, you know, we got into that a little bit with our episode recently with Cassie Christopher, you know, that feeling like you just don't want it enough. But a lack of commitment to the goal is a big cause of motivation gaps. Yeah, this is one of those things that I see a lot with people who join like a 30 or 60 or a 90 day challenge, specifically mm -hmm. a, a fitness one. So here's an example. Uh, let's say a group of friends sign up together for a 90 day boot camp. Well, I've seen this time and time again as the person <laughs> who ran those boot camps, watching oh. <laughs> people one by one end up dropping out. And often it's because none of them, or maybe just one of them, the person who had the, the really great idea to join the boot camp in the first place, really thinks that the outcome of this boot camp is worthwhile. Yeah. Most of them just got kind of swept up in the idea, like, let's get fit together. If we all do it together, it'll be easy. Come it'll on. It'll be easy. <laughs> yeah. And it is easy until it's not, and then they drop out. But it's exactly that idea that somebody said they should, or the magazine cover said they should, or they felt like, well, I probably should, but they didn't have any real particular connection to the outcome that they were heading towards. Yeah. And I think, of course, this might come up also in any kind of uh, forced learning situation, like mm. school, you know, <laughs> you, you're being forced to learn something or work. Okay. The second common cause of a motivation gap is a lack of clarity. So you may not yet be convinced that this is the right way to go about getting to that destination or mm. the outcome. And therefore you're kind of unmotivated to go through the effort. It just may not make sense to you. And this is something that we've also talked about in recent episodes. I'm thinking of our episode entitled, Will I Succeed?, in which we one of our takeaways is that you really need to have clarity on your goal and the steps that you're going to take to get there. Right. Yeah, I mean, I can think of actually sticking with that same example of the group of friends who are boot camping mm -hmm. together. And some of them in that group may not be interested in the type of fitness that that particular boot camp is producing. Like somebody may be interested in increasing their cycling fitness for an upcoming charity ride they want to do, or they want to increase their flexibility because they're really focused on yoga and they want to go to a big retreat. So their motivation to continue with this type of fitness class is greatly diminished. They yeah. have that motivation gap. Right. A third source of motivation gap, according to Dirksen, is more of a lack of familiarity or comfort with whatever the proposed destination is. So you may feel a little anxious about actually succeeding at this goal because it's going to put you in an unfamiliar territory. Mm. You don't know how it will feel or what it will be like. And, you know, again, we have talked about this before. Uh, I'm thinking of our episode on self-sabotage in which we noticed that sometimes the status quo may not be great but at least it's familiar. It's right. the devil we know. Right. And as an example for this, I'm going to stick with the boot campers one more time. Poor boot campers. <laughs> Poor boot campers. But I think there, there may be some members of the group who are worried about that thing known as bulking up mm -hmm. and the impact that that might have on their life. I mean, will they have to buy new clothes? Will they still be attractive, quote unquote? Will mm -hmm. they not actually bulk up, which most people don't, and therefore lose that excuse for Ooh. not wanting to exercise? <laughs> yes. So the motivation to give this class 100% of their attention ends up being low and, and therefore motivation gap. Right. Here's one more. 
a lack of bandwidth, mm. where there are just too many other things competing for your energy or for your attention, right? And we've talked about this in our episode, Are You Too Busy to Change? Mm -hmm. And again, in our episode on the law of subtraction. Yeah. Have, no, what do your boot campers have to say about this? Well, you know, I'm not even going to bring poor boot campers back into this <laughs> scenario here because I think everybody is familiar with this. Yeah. We've all likely felt or are feeling right now that our days are pulling us in too many directions. So I'm just, I'd be really surprised if anyone listening right now couldn't identify with this one without a boot camp example. Right. And if any of those first four sources of motivation gaps, lack of commitment, lack of clarity, lack of familiarity, lack of bandwidth is ringing a bell for you, we've given you some pointers on where you might go to explore that a little bit further. But there's one more motivation mm -hmm. gap. And I've saved it for last because Dirksen actually identifies this as a special motivation gap. All right. And it's that you will first need to unlearn something that you already do. So here's how she writes about this. If people are required to change the way they do things, then they're going to stumble over old habits. If they automatically do certain things, then they're going to have to make a conscious effort to not do those things, right. a process called unlearning. And this is more difficult than just making a conscious effort to do something new. And not unimportantly, she says, it can make people grumpy. So grumpy, <laughs> yes. So in addition to the effort it takes to acquire a new skill, in this situation, you're going to have to spend some effort not doing or not thinking of things the old way. And the more used to the old way you are, or the more you have invested in it, the more effort this might require. Mm -hmm. And I can think of some examples of this too. Imagine an athlete who is reasonably successful, reasonably advanced, and their coach, for whatever reason, decides that they need to change some basic aspect of their technique in order to actually excel to the next level. It wasn't... Um, Rafa Nadal wasn't didn't his coach actually make him switch from being a right-handed player to a left-handed player early in his career? Oh, I don't I didn't know that. No, but I think he is naturally a right-handed player, so presumably grew up playing with his right hand for I don't know how long, and his coach thought he would be stronger and maybe more balanced if he played left-handed. So he plays left-handed now, but imagine what that must have taken. Mm. You know, not just holding the racket in a different hand, but all the muscle memory involved in positioning yourself on the court and positioning your body to return a volley or something would all have to be unlearned. All your muscle memory is going to be wrong. You're going to be, yeah. you know, a foot too far to the left every yeah. time. Speaking of athletes who had to change things up, uh, that reminds me of Paula Radcliffe, the world record holding marathon runner leading up to her world record. They decided, her coaching staff, I guess, decided that her hamstrings were too flexible and that she'd actually get more power out of her legs if she wasn't quite as flexible. So she had to change her whole training regime to basically shorten her hamstrings and make them a little tighter. And it worked, but not only would that require changing how she's running and how she's exercising, yeah. but even like eliminating the stretching sessions that she had or changing how she was addressing her, her prehab and stuff like that. So, yeah. Right. And imagine the effect on motivation when you already have a certain level of skill at something to voluntarily 
you know, take yourself back to a much lower skill level while you learn a whole new set of movements or behaviors or technique, you know, that I could imagine that being super demoralizing. Well, and it's a huge leap of faith as well. Yeah, right. Right. Is this going to make me any better or could it possibly make me worse? I don't know, but I'll give it a yeah. try. But I can imagine, you know, trying to get up the motivation to go out to train and on top of the motivation you already have to find to work that hard, you got to think, yeah, right. And it's going to be, you know, this uphill battle to unlearn everything I know, everything my body knows about how to do this. And, and yeah, beginner's mind, I guess. And, you know, this comes up for musicians all the time, too, mm-hmm. where at some point they realize they, in order to move forward, they're going to have to move backward, break down some aspect of their technique and rebuild it again from scratch. And yeah, it, it can really cause a motivation gap. But I think there are subtler implications to this, too. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, you don't we, have to be an athlete or a musician. <laughs> right, right. Whenever we have ingrained and unhelpful patterns of thought that we've become accustomed to, that we've gotten really good at, right? Like negative self-talk or doom saying or mind reading. You know, these are things that our brain can just slip into without any effort whatsoever and is very, very good at, right? We may find it really difficult to cultivate new, more helpful thought patterns because first we have to unlearn those old knee-jerk mental responses, mental pathways. Right. That reminds me of a, a friend, and and he knows who he is, if he's listening out there, I think <laughs> he is, who actually decided to try to be more positive in his life and be not always take the negative side of, of things. But when I was around, at least, I'm sure he was doing this other times, multiple times a day, he'd catch himself in the midst of being a curmudgeon or poo-pooing something, and he'd actually stop himself and be like, damn it, be more positive, you idiot. <laughs> 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 beating himself up a little bit, but okay, I usually know who you're talking about. I'm not sure I do, but <laughs> yeah, well, and, and I'm sure he will get there eventually, and he's definitely making some mm. strides. But at first, while learning to be more positive or learning these more positive ways to view and talk and address the the world, it was a little rough for him. And I actually considered buying him a coffee mug that's a little explicit, but it was basically a. Uh, Plan to be more positive off to a mm-mm start. Yeah, right. So why is this such a source of, of motivation gaps? And I think it's because the brain really craves efficiency. And when it already knows what to do, whether that's muscle memory or emotional muscle memory, if you will, it feels very inefficient to not go down that well-worn path. You know, your brain is just going to be like, forget that. Let's just do this the way we already know how to do it. It's way more comfortable. And just that bit of resistance, internal resistance, can be all it takes to really torpedo your motivation to follow through on whatever new path or challenge you've staked out for yourself. But as always, we hope that by shining the light on these things and bringing them into our conscious awareness, it gives us more control and more power over how we choose to respond. And ironically, I guess I'm about to go and edit this episode in a piece of software that I've been using for a very long time that is very (laughs) antiquated and costs a lot of money and takes a lot of upkeep for exactly that reason. Because my brain, every time I present it with a nicer, newer, cheaper, more modern piece of software, my brain says, forget that. Let's just do do this the way we already know how to do it, exactly the way you said. You know, Brock, 
You have been telling me that as long as I've known you. I know. Listeners, we actually need to turn up the heat a little bit on Brock to overcome this motivation gap and get right with progress. We need to do an episode on sunken costs, I think. Yeah. (laughs) We just, yep. That's all we need to say about it. So Brock, I'm going to put you on the spot. Do you want to just... Maybe set a date right now for when you would like to produce your first episode with the newer software that you know it's time to switch to. I think my my subscription to the current software expires mid March, so let's oh let's look at that. And that's coming right up March fifteenth. Let's say that that is coming right up. So in, in order to allow some time to to get across the the learning curve, you probably need to get started soon. I got to watch some YouTube videos, but first. <laughs> all right. Let's I'm going to be following some... up on this. We are all going to be following <sighs> up on this, Brock. Okay. I'm sweating now. <laughs> okay. Let's get into the takeaways and forget about my, uh, my sweat uh, for the moment. Oh, no, no, no. It's on the record now. <laughs> it is. Well, unless I edit it out, uh, but I won't. Okay. Takeaways. So yep. the first one is instead of trying to find or to make more motivation, it can be more productive and helpful to think about why there is a gap or gaps in your motivation. Then, instead of blaming yourself for not being disciplined, take a look at the goal, take a look at the process, take a look at the change itself to see if that is what is keeping you stuck. Mm -hmm. Then, unlearning behaviors can be tough and uncomfortable. Yeah. And at times, even kind of scary, as I'm finding out right now. (laughs) But pushing through the discomfort is often the most effective way to create positive change in your life. Just push through it, Brock. Right. And finally, don't be hard on yourself. Your lack of motivation is likely telling you something very important. So listen to it. Don't run from it. I love that last one. I always love it when we can look at something that is causing discomfort and ask, what important information does this discomfort have for me? Right. Yeah, I think it's such a good question. Okay, so for your lab experiment, now we've been experimenting a little bit with challenging you to create your own lab experiments. And I'll say that again here. If any of those first four motivation gaps that we talked about struck a nerve with you, you might want to go off-road here and develop a little lab experiment that focuses specifically on that, or maybe go back to the referenced episodes and steal that lab experiment. Mm. But this one is specifically about this fifth one, this special motivation gap that has to do with unlearning. So identify a place in your life where you're trying to learn something new or acquire a new skill. And this could be a cognitive skill, a physical skill, an artistic skill, a communication skill, really anything. And then ask yourself, Is this new skill or behavior that you're cultivating actually replacing an old behavior or an old patterned response? What might you need to unlearn in order to make room for this new way of doing or thinking something? And just remember to make allowances for that part of the process in your expectations about how quickly you're going to progress or succeed. When there's a lot of unlearning to do, remember to give yourself a little bit more grace and also Give yourself credit for doing that part of the work and acknowledge that that too absolutely constitutes progress. Absolutely. We miss that step so often. We always just wait until we succeed. Right. Got to give yourself credit for doing the work. And we give you a lot of credit for listening to this episode. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next time. 
All right. Thanks, everyone. This has been the Change Academy podcast with Monica Reinagel and Brock Armstrong.